Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. See, I told you guys I'd be better today than I was yesterday. <laughs> Welcome, JC, to the show today. We're happy to have you. Make sure that you go ahead and hit that like button and share if you're in our chat room right now if you're watching uh what you're what you're watching us later make sure you do it now if you really it helps us if you like and share then you help us overcome the censoring of the algorithms and uh you can also trigger a snowflake by liking our videos yeah <laughs> true that's always fun so as JC promised, we're going to be talking about uh, the government science experiments from the Mad Scientist Conference that we went to. Before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about a headline that's in the news today, and it's about uh, Roger Stone's four-person. And I wanted to give you guys a little bit of legal insight on how the jury trial works, how the selection of the jury works so that you can hear what's coming through mainstream media and, and make an educated decision on how it goes. Uh, so Good, because I was curious about that. You so. were, great, awesome. Let me take a drink here really quick. All right, so the four person that they're talking about is actually a former Memphis City School Board president. Her name is Tamika Hart. Okay. Okay, and it has come out that She's that prior to being selected as a juror, that she uh, posted on social media uh, specifically about the Stone case. Mm -hmm. She retweeted an argument mocking those who considered Stone's dramatic arrest in the pre-dawn raid uh, to be excessive force. So she didn't think that a, a SEAL team coming up in his backyard and and seven seven armored vehicles, MRAPs with you know agents going in after the dude just got off the phone and to, said, "Just call me, I'll I'll come in." Right to, to apprehend a basically elderly man who has no, no guns, who's never owned a gun. They knew he had no <laughs> guns, right? So that, in her humble opinion, was not excessive force. Uh, and she tweeted that she also. Uh, suggested that President Trump and his supporters are racist and praised the investigation by Robert Mueller, which led to Stone's prosecution. Okay? So, what happens now? Well, what happens now depends on what happened then. Before a jury trial, there's a process that we call voir dire. You, you've heard that term before, sure. right? So jury voir, selection. Voir dire is just Latin for asking the question, right? You're, you're selecting the jury. So what happens is, is they send a whole bunch of jury summons out. You have a whole gallery full of people. You draw numbers or names out of a hat, and then you get 12 or 14 that sit in the jury box. And then the defense and the prosecution ask the jurors questions. Now, I have no idea what questions they actually ask, but I can tell you that there's a few that I'm sure they asked. Number one will be, do you know anything about the defendant or this case? Right? right. Number two of so, the guaranteed questions asked, do you have any preconceived notions about the defendant or this case? Do you feel that you could be uh, unbiased about this case, right? Uh -huh. So those questions being asked, here's what you need to know. She would have to have lied? Or she could have told the truth and the judge let her sit anyway. Mm -hmm. Now here's the reason why I find it kind of hard to believe that the latter is actually what happened. That meaning the meaning judge she, said it was okay. She she could stay because here here I'm I'm reading a Fox News story about this, and it says it emerged that U.S. District Judge Amy Berman Jackson had denied a defense request to strike a potential juror 
who was an Obama-era press official with admitted anti-Trump views and whose husband worked at the same Justice Department division that handled the probe leading to Stone's arrest. Now, in my mind, that's like... Denied to strike. Is that what you said? Yes, denied to strike. Which means that person can stay. Right. So the defense said this person has to go. She's got way too many ties with this case. And judge said nope. And the judge said no, she can stay. Okay. Now, if Tamika Harris had gone through the same process, don't you think Fox would have reported that the judge allowed her to stay? See, this is me just postulating right now. I don't know for a fact, okay? But here's the thing. They can see your phone screen, they said. <laughs> Thank you. There's nothing really on it. So what, what we need to understand here is, and we don't know, if she lied, and this is, this is the big one, if she actually lied and now this is coming forward, Mm-hmm. This is an automatic mistrial. Automatic mistrial. Okay. Which means the sentence, the, the the conviction has to be overthrown, and has to be uh, he has to be retried. Okay. This is not. And now I say legally, ethically, this is nothing that the judge could overcome. But legally and ethically, the fact that this judge let this other person stay on the jury is mind-blowing. I don't even know how you can get past the connections. The only way they could do that is if, here's what happens. The defense asks to remove somebody from the, from the jury panel, and then the judge says, uh, uh, prosecution, would you like to have a few minutes to restore this juror? That's what they call the restore the juror. So then the prosecution would go and ask the juror the questions. Can you be impartial? Uh, you know, Were you involved in the investigation that your husband, did your husband talk about this, this stuff? And then the defense attorney would come forward and, re, uh, and cross-examine based on those questions. Then the judge would make the decision. So what could have happened was this particular juror was restored based on that process. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't know, because I don't have the transcripts. Right. But for me, just from what Fox is saying, it's just like, so right? Yeah, so somebody suggesting that, that, that it was the judge that refused. Now, I, I thought... Well, there's no evidence that the judge refused to uh, remove Tamika Harris. Right. There's only evidence that the judge refused to remove this other person. But it could have, could have done the same for all. Because she, the judges, she she could have done it for all. Now what? How? What is the authority of the judge in that process? I thought it was the jury, the the, the defense, prosecution. We don't want them; they're gone. The, the judge has the right to say no. You can't pick the jury. No. Well, because here's the thing: you get a certain number of people that you can just automatically dismiss. Right. Then you get a certain number of people that you can dismiss for cause. Or you have an unlimited number of people you can dismiss for cause. So what, this okay. would fall under cause. This would fall under cause. So what would have to happen is, and here's the thing. If the prosecution and the defense both agree that a juror should go, then the judge has really no choice. They, the juror has to go. But if the defense says go and the prosecution says stay, then the jur- then the judge comes in to make the legal decision. And there's precedent that establishes, you know, the, the standard and the code and the criteria and that sort of thing. So right? so wouldn't this I mean, wouldn't the precedent and principles tend to say this one goes? Like wh- on well, what on, on, on what on grounds the, on the would- previous lady who the judge actually said no she'll stay. The precedent actually exists that she should go. But I would say that I can't really say that definitively because I don't have the transcript. And like I said, I don't know if she was restored. The legal standard gives you an opportunity to restore the juror uh, to the confidence of the court. But from public accounts, people are saying it was all on the judge, essentially, that the judge just the judge was the one refusing no, Ra- that, rather, no, than, no, rather no. than saying like the report wasn't the they struck this witness, but the prosecution restored. They're, that's it's not, not a how witness, it's being reported. It's a jury. Or juror. That's right. not how it's being reported. Right. right. Well, I don't know how... 
I don't know how it's being reported, so I don't trust what how it's being reported anyway. Sure, sure. But the system works like this: the defense would have clearly said she needs to be removed from for cause, right? Yeah. The other person, not Tamika Harris, and then the prosecution. If I was a prosecutor, I want her to stay, right? Yeah, sure. I want her to stay. She's she's going to vote my way, right? Mm. So I'm not going to go along with booting her. Sure. Right, so then the judge has to come along and and make the determination, and so like Crazy. I said, without the record, I don't know if she was actually restored, so and if, we don't have any record at all whether Tamika Harris, the foreman, was ever challenged in this way. Uh, are those is that portion required to be transcribed, or do, mm -hmm. do they make okay? That's so, part so, of the official so there would transcript. be a record, right now. Here's the other thing that should have hap that should happen, and I don't know what Stone's uh, defense attorneys are doing, right? Based on the one that they don't give us the name of the other juror, but based on the one that the judge actually allowed to stay, Stone's defense attorneys should have filed an appeal of the verdict of the whole trial based on the judge allowing this wit this juror to stay okay so you have appeal process to overcome the judge who acts outside of the judicial standard and the ethics and and that as far as we know that appeal no such appeal ever happened i don't i don't know i wouldn't say it didn't happen i'm i'm wow. sure roger stone's attorneys are either working on an appeal or have already filed an appeal but here's the thing this Tamika Hart thing blows open all new options because number one, if she lied or if this is new evidence that somehow goes against her testimony as a juror, now this is a mistrial and if it's not a mistrial, they have grounds, an even stronger grounds to appeal this case and have it overturned. Fascinating. And, the, then the, and now the question is coming forward uh, because Donald Trump, you know he's talking about this. He's tweeting sure. about this, right? So Donald Trump, number one, has no standing in this case. So Donald Trump can't file an appeal. Donald Trump can't, you know, do anything. The only thing that Donald Trump can do at this point is pardon Roger Stone. What is, what is we're kind of in uh, somewhat unprecedented territory where that, because of Twitter and social media and just things that are get out, what what can you explain uh, when when the president does tweet on this and make these statements, considering that he is essentially the boss of the folks charged with prosecuting this? Mm -hmm. What what's going on there? Is that a problem? Like, would would that typically be a problem, where he's kind of influencing or whatever? Like, what's going on there? That seems like it could be all right, so sketchy to why me. Why is all that? That's really good. Why is this all coming forward? Right? Because William Barr told the prosecutors, "Your sentencing recommendation is unethical." Right. We're not doing that. Right. So now all of this is coming forward. Donald Trump, so if I were President of the United States, Chris Ann Hall's President of the United States, I would be all over William Barr telling his employees that sentencing a 69-year-old a man to nine years in prison, which is ine inevitably a life sentence, for lying to Congress mm -hmm. is a violation of the Eighth Amendment. Mm -hmm. And I would tell him straight up, this is, you, you better tell your prosecutors this is not a just sentence. And, I, and that's not tampering with anything. That's, not, I mean, that's, that's the, executive, the director of the executive branch telling a division of the executive branch, you're violating the rights of this man. you got to fix this, right? And so William Barr is doing, actually doing the right thing by telling the prosecutors. Now, I don't think he's going far enough, right? But nonetheless, I mean, seriously, nine years in prison and the crime is lying to Congress. Yeah. Can I ask a question to everybody out there listening? What do you suppose the minimum sentence is 
for lying while in Congress. <laughs> right? Where is that crime? Because to me, that's a greater crime than actually lying to Congress. Yeah. And I also want to point out that Eric Holder was found guilty by Congress of lying to Congress. Lois Lerner, Loretta Lynch, uh, Andrew McCabe. Bill Clinton. Comey. I mean, we go, there's tons of mostly Democrats that, uh, that, uh, that, I mean, they did the same thing in, in this, you know, there's no prosecution. No. Much less no. a debate over the length of a sentence. We're still paying Eric Holder a pension. Okay, so so don't tell me that you know what's happening here is just. It's absolutely not just. It absolutely is not. So, if I were president of the United States, I wouldn't pardon Stone yet, because you see that's kind of a political trap. Because now we have another sub Trump supporter who's been accused of a crime that Donald Trump's going to pardon and you know and it's going to be like cover his tracks right mm -hmm. so what i would do is i would number one i would push william barr to get control of his employees well i think that's why you see a bunch resigning or whatever mm -hmm. because they the, for so long uh they've basically been on their their sort of um marxist vendetta approach <clears throat> to yeah. running that office and and now somebody's coming in there hold, holding their feet to the fire because right. when you talk this is a thing and i don't know that people get this because they look at uh you know like just say it'll be reported generally oh the trump administration prosecuted so and so these U.S. prosecutors have been there for 20 years. Yeah, they so, got no personal. They got no more personal tie to Donald Trump than they do to you or me. Right. So I think that's uh, people miss miss the fact these are swamp dwellers in there, uh, you know, running like the New York, uh, the New York um, office of the U.S. Attorney's Office, um, D.C. Wherever these guys, these are decade long, decades long. Um, swamp creatures in these mm -hmm. offices, so you still you, you have these hold holdovers uh, that have this mentality. And we look at Stone. It's interesting. We were looking at the um, the story of Patricia Spotted Crow. I think was her was her name. We had, you know we we're showing the class the other day, and was the lady who had who was convicted of selling marijuana. It wasn't a huge amount, but the uh, sentence was 12 years, which was considered outrageous, mm -hmm. and she ended up getting out in two. So then you look, then you see the public sort of reaction to um, uh, this with, with with Stone that now they're upset the fact of reducing someone's sentence when the sentence mm -hmm. is outrageous. So what you see is that different mentality where you have this now. Di division and identity politics mm -hmm. of the Marxists uh, and the deep state being used to operate the system, right? So this tells you that the people in the U.S. Attorney's Office have that same Marxist ideology, right? It's okay uh, for, you know, this female, she's minority, she's poor, let's reduce her sentence. But just now we have white guy who's rich, you don't get any leeway we need excessive sentences for you. So it's not comparing the crime to the punishment without uh, looking at you know, who is the person. So it's that identity politics. So apparently those attorneys in the U.S. Attorney's Office, these prosecutors, hold that same identity politics mm -hmm. uh, of, mm -hmm. of the Marxist left. And that's yeah. not how the justice system is supposed to work. If, if that sentence was excessive for the young lady you know, female, minority, poor, if it's excessive for her, then this sentence is excessive for Stone. It's not. He's rich, so he gets blasted. She's poor. We need to have pity. No, we need to have pity on both of them mm -hmm. because this is excessive given uh, the, you know, the average history and of, of these uh, sentences. So it's over the top looking at how people are generally charged under a crime like this. He's getting, he, he they're trying to sentence him you know, to a longer sentence mm -hmm. than violent offenders get, that rapists right. get, that murderers get, 
You know, on these sort of lying to Congress, these, you know, when you look at the statistics. Epstein got probation. Yeah, you look at the statistics, <laughs> it, it falls into other crimes. Like, you know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. it's usually, you know, less than three years on average for these kind of things. So, Well, the other thing that I would also like to point out having to do with equal justice, right, is the, the fact, and, and I'm always going to be hard on the media, I'm always going to be hard on the people who have, who have, the, the responsibility of having the limelight, right? They have an, and then, you know, like uh, Spider-Man's uncle said, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So we are hearing incessantly about how Roger Stone is being over-sentenced, over-charged, whatever this. Okay, so I get that Roger Stone is tied to Donald Trump and he's got all this great media fervor, but what about the 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 uh, um, uh, marine veteran farmer, Mr. Robertson, who was sentenced to practically life in prison for building a stock pond on his farm, mm -hmm. right? You've got an Amish farmer who made salve out of chickweed who's sentenced to multiple years in prison. Now, I don't know, in my world, you get just as, if not more, outraged by the federal government imposing sentences like that on people like you and me who don't have the opportunity to billion dollar lawyers and media backing and and you know i mean these people will never have that kind of 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 uh of support so you set right. rich you've got uh you know uh like you um well and uh, it doesn't matter whether you, you know the whole thing is it, it really doesn't matter how much money you may have mm -hmm. uh because they prosecute you. They prosecute the case in such a way to drain your resources. Right. No matter who you are, look. They look you at what they did to General the, you Flynn. You pay the prosecutor's salary. Right. While you pay your attorney's salary at the same time, yeah. and it's not supposed to be that way. Now, like I said, just to continue the analogy, if I were president of the United States, I wouldn't be pardoning. Uh, Stone right now because, like I said, I believe it's a political trap. I believe that's what they want to do. But I'm going to tell you flat out, okay, if we get to the end of and have exhausted these, these resources, I don't care if it's a trap or not. I'm President of the United States. I'm pardoning Stone because it's the just and right thing to do. I mean, this jury thing is just a drop in the bucket of the judicial misconduct to Roger Stone. The entire case is built upon the fruit of poisonous tree. Yeah. It's built all on an unlawful warrant. Now we find out that it's built upon lies. So the whole thing should go away. But I then, think if Chris Ann Hall were president, they'd be calling me the pardon president because I'd be pardoning at least a dozen people a day and they wouldn't be billionaires. Well, because the criminal justice system is a joke. But you look at the deep state media and all those cats, now they try to turn it into... You know, they try to turn it into some sort of uh, theater. Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness, look at four four prosecutors have resigned from the state, from the, uh, you know, U.S. Attorney's Office showing yeah. showing the turmoil and chaos. Oh, no, 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 it, no, it shows no, no. the fact that you have had absolutely lawless prosecutors, lawless mm -hmm. bureaucrats who are now being held accountable. Running for cover. Yep. They don't want to be. They don't want to be legally tied to the fallout when because all well, of this stuff is coming through. I guarantee you, there are some federal prosecutors on the team, and I would say probably the ones who resigned, who had absolutely no idea of the illegality of the warrant and of the the the, the complete fabrication of the evidence. Well, and then they're like, "Whoa." I'm out of here. Number one, you're not criminally coming after me. Number two, ethically, you're not coming after me. And number three, I'm not putting my license on the line for this. And so they're trying to resign to escape the 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 the, the consequences. The consequences. This this house of cards is crashing in. But you look around, you know, and if you're a, one of those attorneys, when you look over at what, what went on with the FBI and the stuff with the FISA warrants, and now you see you know, criminal, like the criminal uh, magnifying glass on the actual agents mm -hmm. and the other attorney who falsified the records. Like, I don't want to be one of those guys. So now you're sort of put on notice of this is not going to be swept mm -hmm. under the rug with the people that are running the show right now. 
they're going to come after you, so you better either do it right or get the heck out of the way. I think that's what kind of what you see going on. Yeah, so basically, just to help you guys make a real educated assessment about what you're hearing in the mainstream is personally, or in, in reality, we need to have transcripts to actually know what happened. Uh, number two, just from what we're seeing, this judge was completely out of line. Mm -hmm. And number three, you know, we got an, we, we have to let uh, Stone's attorneys do their job and appeal this and see what happens. Um, but here's, here's the thing. We as a people, we've got to be more attempt, uh, attentive, uh, attentive about these things that are happening, uh, especially on a local level. You know, the sad, the sad thing to me <clears throat> is, um, you know, somebody famous like Roger Stone or some of these other guys. We, we have all this uproar about Flynn and Stone and uh, even about the raid against Roger Stone of saying, oh, they put a gun in his wife's face. What about the average people who nobody knows, they're not famous, they're right. not connected, that this happens to every day every in day. Uh, our in the legal system? If it wasn't a problem, Indiana wouldn't have passed a law that said you can shoot an officer, you know, a, an extension of the Castle Doctrine, that, that you can shoot an officer that has entered your home illegally or without warrant, right? You say illegally because you, you get yeah. the idea that they're trying to rob the place. No, yeah, we're why talking would you? about an officer's officer or officers who come into the room without a legal warrant. So why would you re need to reemphasize that if it's not a problem? Exactly. And that's why I mean, we've got to be really attentive about this stuff on the lower level. I mean, we have become, oh my goodness, we become a society that's literally led by the nose mm. with every media broadcast. And we've lost sight. It's almost like blinders, right? What we see on TV, what we see on the internet, that's reality. And in, in, in reality, all around us, this stuff is happening. And we're just not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's important to have shows like ours and like Kate Daly and, and the independent medias that are doing. Because... You know, we can't cover everything, nor do we want to cover everything. I mean, there's things that need to be covered that are outside our wheelhouse. Yeah. And there are experts. You don't want to have do a segment this. on the Kardashians and what Jenner is doing. I said important the stuff. The Oscars and Ugh. some we Hollywood opinions. <laughs> we should not have segments on those things. Oh my goodness. Whatever. <laughs> it's it's what what is the media? Is the entertainment? Is the yeah, drug? Opiate of the masses. Opiate of the masses. Yeah, because you think about. Well, I think it was Lenin that, you know, said the religion is the opiate of the masses. Well, in America, entertainment is religion, right? Mm -hmm. That is that is the American religion now. So uh, that's where we are. So the movies right. and media and video games and whatever mm -hmm. is the opiate of the masses. Mm -hmm. That's that's America. Right. That's America's religion right. today. Entertainment is America's God. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so this is just a little bit of insight from, you know, I won't call myself an expert, uh, but by media standards, I'm probably above expert level. But I, somebody who's actually, you know, experienced this in the professional world. We'll put it that way. How's that? Mm -hmm. So yesterday's show, we promised you that we would be talking about the Tradoc Mad Scientist Contest. And the reason that I wanted you guys to know about this, that JC and I wanted you to know about this, is because this is another thing that your tax dollars are paying for. And this is the kind of thing that we need to be looking at today, especially with things like the coronavirus, right? Where, when you're trying to discern where this comes from and it's coming into your mind, could this possibly be orchestrated by a government, right? Well, you're going to come across people who will be like, no way. Our government would never do stuff like that. That's We're better than that. Theory. That's conspiracy, blah, 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 blah. You need to be able to come back to them with documented facts. Now, this stuff that we're showing you, okay, comes from the U.S. Army YouTube channel. Okay, so this is not Alex Jones sitting in his studio somewhere, wringing his hands and pulling together pieces from 37 different places. 
Alex Jones is, does that? I, no, or no, no. you're just speaking I'm, hyper- I'm just speaking hyperbole. <laughs> okay, I, I'm not saying Alex Jones does that. I'm speaking in hyperbole because that's what the people think about Alex Jones, right? right. So this is actually stuff that When, it, when comes, in fact, you probably get more real news from Alex yeah. Jones than you do any of the mainstream media. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, Milton, I am feeling better today. Um, my voice is better. It's still very strained, but I want to thank everybody for your prayers. JC, can uh, before we we totally transition, tell them how they can support us while yeah, I so take don't, another drink of water. Yeah, don't forget to go to <coughs> uh, or text Impact Twenty Twenty Impact Two Zero Two Zero Two Three Three Seven Seven Seven. It'll ask you to send your email, and then in response to that, you will get a link to take you to the support page, where then you'll have a choice of. Uh, choosing monthly support now what if somebody somebody asked what if uh what if they want to send just send a a check amount like i just want to give you a oh just one time yeah kind of well if you uh go to chris here's a thousand bucks chris okay so it depends on whether you want to send it to us digitally or through the mail so how does a person do it digitally if you do it digitally you just go to chrisannhall.com and you click on the the donate button and you can donate via credit card or something like that man that would be really awesome i mean we we're so grateful for the support that you have if you want to send us a check and we have people who support us monthly by check i mean they just have it plugged into their bank and they send us monthly checks or send us a one-time check then you uh there's a way at chrisannhall.com when you hit on the donate button you can do that i'll just tell you it's p.o box 26 Wellburn, Florida, 32094. P.O. Box 26, Wellburn, W-E-L-L-B-O-R-N, Florida, 32094. And that's how you send us stuff directly. Okay. Yeah? Very good. Yeah. All right. So, JC, uh, give us... Give us an intro to what we're doing here today, because you were, I mean, I know, I know a lot about this, and I can chime in on the science part, because I was a, you know, research biologist, biochemist, analytical chemist, um, but I want you to give them the bottom line of your research in this whole thing, because we came across this a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. We watched one of these uh, yeah, I watch them from Trey time Doc to time. Mad Scientist wa- conferences. Yeah, it was stinking mind blowing. Yeah, I couldn't believe this. But I'm going to tell you, I, if 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 you aren't, and, and I don't expect you to be shocked, because I think our audience is is really sort of uh, above level expectant. Of course. But you will find it shocking. Does that make sense? Because I'm not shocked by anything that the government does anymore. But I do find that they will still do these things shocking to my senses. Uh, I think our audience will find it confirming, uh, not necessarily shocking, since most of them are already aware, but just... I mean, shocking uh, to the sense of liberty and human decency. Yeah, but this will give you, um, you know, I mean, this... So what I took away from it, again, it's not like some conspiracy uh, place that that, um, some of the mainstream can just point to uh, and dismiss like, oh, that's, you know, that's so-and-so, he's a conspiracy theorist, whatever. So this is, this is a conference held by uh, the Army, uh, tr- specifically TRADOC, which is Training Doctrines Command, um, and it's military leaders and planners, procurers, and they have this conference. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, scientists and even science fiction writers and just sort of out-of-the-box thinkers and come present ideas and and you know experiment talk about experiments talk about areas of science that the uh, government may be using or may uh-huh. w- may want to use um, that the army may can employ or, or what have you so uh, and it's crazy stuff that we talk about and try to share with people all the time where they mm-hmm. look at you like you're a nut. You're making yeah, stuff up. Yeah. So this doesn't come you, from... We've actually had a friend whose wife was like, no way. Yeah, no so way. we have a friend in New England, and he, you know, he's kind of uh, in tune to all this, and he tried to share with her, and then her, she says he's crazy. In fact, right. <laughs> end up dragging him to uh, a counseling session where the counselor, like, they basically teamed up on him, and uh, the, the counselors said, you're crazy, too. Right. Um, b- because <laughs> they're simply uninformed, and then they... 
it's all about uh, some cra crazy people talk about this. Right. Well, these aren't crazy people, right? In right. that in that sense, these are right. not the, these are not some nutters with a website. <laughs> nutters. Uh, so these are the people act that would actually be doing the stuff mm -hmm. and using the stuff. So, so Tradoc, <clears throat> it's the Tradoc Mad Scientist Conference. This particular one is from 2016 that I looked at. It's an annual thing now. They have it every year. Um, they have. They actually have science fiction writing contests. It, yeah. They have science fiction writing contests. Why? Because they want to turn science fiction into science fact. It's interesting that the sec the one I watched about science fiction writing, where they talked about the books, the science fiction novels are not written. These particular ones are referring to not written. Uh, for the general public, they're actually right. not written for the readers who buy them. Right. They are communicate. They they're basically communicating with the folks that are in this room. Right. So, so you got the whole novel, a science fiction novel that you would pick up right. with this crazy idea that would sound like a conspiracy. Man, that sounds like it came out of a sci-fi novel. Well, it did, and it was a message to the army and and the government about the things that we're working on can do should do mm -hmm. and this again that, that's not some theory that I made up that's what the guy said yeah. who was standing there who writes the books right. who was talking to the <laughs> army's leaders in the room we write these books as you know audience uh, to tell us to tell you and give you ideas I mean so no it's not a conspiracy theory mm -hmm. the, the people we're talking about are the ones who are saying it so I just grabbed a couple well, I want to show you just for the uh, first couple, just just a couple of uh, the uh, web slides from the guy. All right, and then we'll show you some video clips from the conference that are kind of mind blowing. But this is one slide talking about just a just a particular uh, segment of this cognitive neuroscience funding, which essentially you can think of as mind control, mind manipulation, and mind augmentation. That that's what we talked about yesterday. Augmentation. Yeah. That's just like that. Just in 2011, you can see what the individual services and in DARPA, right? Quarter of a billion dollars uh, here. Uh, this particular one, just simply the Brain Initiative, 2014, 50 million dollars. That's just for one program. So massive, this massive is your amounts. Money. That's yeah. why this is another thing we got to pay attention to. This is your money. We need people to see this yeah. because the government is actually trying to figure out ways to not just simply control your mind, but to put thoughts in your mind. Yeah. So this was augment. An, that's what augmentation is. It was interesting as he's talking. This is another slide. So he, as he's talking, he mentions these and describes these. And it's almost, the way he said it was almost like signaling to them saying, hey, here's some stuff you could use. Like he ends, he, he says it, and then at the end there's like a caveat, like, well, I don't know if you know, you'd want to use this kind of, I don't know mm -hmm. if it would be right to do it, but you could do it. Yeah. Right? It's kind of how he says it. So it's like telling you what to do and then saying, now I'm not telling you to do this. Right? right. Just to check, like cover, you know, CYA, right? Mm -hmm. But, so here's the one drug. And this is the this is the key here, uh, where he talks about reducing guilt feelings. In other words, basically turning a person into a sociopath, like yes! you make somebody do something absolutely oh, horrible, and they have oh, no they have no conscience about it. This is another one where he said could possibly be administered as a nasal spray prior to interrogations to make the person more trusting. So these are, you know, they basically. Well, I want to, I want to point this out. These are actually things that they're researching to find and develop because they want to do this, right? Yeah. They want to have the power to make people do this. Correct. This is what your tax dollars are being used to do. You know, I mean, okay, so. I want to know, JC. I want to know. I want some congressman to tell me. What is the article section and clause that authorizes you, the authority, to do this? Mm -hmm. Now, if they tell me national security, I'm going to be like, okay, maybe the interrogation drug, I'm not going to buy that anyway, right? But maybe the interrogation drug, but you're not going to be using a drug that eliminates someone, someone's conscience when that someone is your enemy. Yeah, and, and 
Uh, this is about turning our people into sociopaths. Sure. And good, for the use of government. Good question about the TV shows and movies. So, so everything that we said about the science fiction. So when I say science fiction, it's not just books. So the same thing we said about books, it applies to movies, TV shows. So it's the same thing. And the guy talked about it. In fact, one of the, one of the last speakers of one of these years was the uh, screenwriter you know, who wrote, all, wrote the books for World War Z. Right, so that was one of the presenters was this guy, and and it was interesting when they talked about the zombie shows, and I figured this early. I, I said this early on. Remember when The Walking Dead came on the scene and was really popular, and I never watched it for years and years and years. You know when it was on at the time when it was popular. Then when I got a hold of, it, I was like, oh my gosh, and start, I'm binging this thing, and I said, this show has nothing to do with zombies. It's not about zombies, right? And this basically what the guy said. So when you look at World War Z, it, it really isn't about zombies. It's a no. zombie movie. Right. But it's about crowd control. So Yeah. So when you hear the guy talk, so all of these the zombie shows, zombie movies, they're not about zombies, guys. It's not about the zombie apocalypse. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh and distract you, but robbery said... <laughs> Here in the chat room said that the the anti-conscious drug should be called the ex-wife drug. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so I'll show you a couple of these clips that was kind of mind-blowing mm -hmm. of just the technology. While you're trans transitioning on. over there, let's think about the, the Hollywood movie Contagion in light of the whole coronavirus out there. Go see yeah. that movie Contagion. Yeah, check out the trailer for that. Okay, so... Here's the first thing, here's the first one. So this is about what I mentioned about actually looking into your, your brain, like reading your thoughts, right? Seeing what your brain is seeing. Just absolutely mind-blowing. So check this out. I think we've been to that place. So that might work. Um, that's, a, but that's, a pretty, that's a pretty straightforward technology. Um, this, is a little, uh, this is a little side experiment that Jack Gallen at Berkeley did a number of years ago that has made him famous, and maybe you've seen this. So here the setup is you've got somebody who's, um, who's uh, looking, who, looking at, a, uh, at a video. He's got all kinds of stuff on his head, and they're pulling information out of, his, out, out of your brain uh, in functional MRI. Uh, and they have uh, a library of millions of images and really, really complicated algorithms. Uh, and what they can do is they can do a reconstruction of your visual images based on the data and the algorithms and the library of, uh, 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 they've got in their computer. So this is the um, way it looks. So this is what the individual is seeing in the big magnet, and this is the reconstruction that they're doing uh, afterwards with their computers and images and algorithms in the lab. Not bad. It's something. It's fuzzy, but you can imagine that if they had better algorithms, more, more images, more pictures in the library, maybe faster and faster network computers, they could, uh, they could get more and more out of it. So, you know, even Jack Allen says uh, this creeps him out. Um, people have asked if you could do this with dreams. So there is actually a Japanese lab that has uh, been doing this with dream images. So you can see that um, they're associating the data that they're getting out of the brain with certain words and they're able to do correlations with... Now, you're stuck with the images that you've got, right? So if you're dreaming about one of your kids, if, there not, is no, if there's no picture of your kid in the library, you're not going to get a kid, but you're not going to get your kid, but you might get a kid that's in the, that's in the library. So um, this is what the, this subject is saying that uh, he was looking at, he was thinking about, in, or dreaming about, as, as insofar as he could recall. Here's another dreamer. Takes a while for the images to uh, clarify, but... You know, it's, again, it's, it's fuzzy, but as we get to the end of this video, you see that they are getting something. Now, uh, if you can get, you, what if you could wake up the next morning and watch your dreams? You might not want to do that, at least, you know, might not be. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. So you can, you, you see some of it's kind of primitive, uh, but, you know, you could see, like he said, you could see it's getting there. And I, th I thought, as you said, this was in 2016. Now, think about, just think about your cell phone and, and different things like that relative, think about where we were in 2016 mm -hmm. to where we are now, the beginning of 2020, uh, just in the, the, the techno technological advancements 
-hmm. right now that we have. You know right. what I'm saying? So when you think about they were doing that in 2016 and you're, you're going, nah, it wasn't particularly accurate, but just the fact that you have the technology and there's some algorithm you saw mm -hmm. the guy was seeing a face and you know it wasn't it wasn't the face but just that oh my goodness there's a face and it's starting to resolve and what have you it's unbelievable so where are they where are they going to be in a few years with that and what i mentioned when we were not our our sign our, our sound wasn't coming through is what was amazing that maybe you couldn't that, that i know you couldn't see because i can see what they're seeing but we actually see the full screen is that only 144 people had watched that video mm. and that was back from 2016 my goodness uh, it it is amazing to me a hundred only 144 people in america watched this video and uh, proves that the american people are particularly unaware of what's going on yeah so here's <clears throat> here's the next one um that where he mentions right at the beginning about he doesn't get into this but he mentions this study listen to what he says about robo rat and then he goes into this idea of brain to brain mm -hmm. communication uh, so this there's a project called the robo rat which I don't have time to talk to you about it's a DARPA experiment basically in which they put electrodes into a into a rat and by uh, pushing a couple of buttons on a laptop, a graduate student can make the lap, the rat do things that wouldn't or normally like to do, uh, like climb up uh, on a ladder, uh, 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 walk on a wall, turn left, turn right, by uh, knocking on the pleasure center with a little pulse. Uh, okay, so did you catch that? So basically mind control, now obviously of a rat, uh, through, through these pulses, right? So this is... This is the technology, and I don't know if you notice who he said was conducting this, DARPA. So DARPA. here's DARPA. Like, do you honestly think DARPA is looking for means to control rats? Like, they want to combat my, you know, rat infestation Can I just problem? go ahead and <laughs> enter into the question once again? Show me article, section, and clause that allows the government to have a DARPA to steal our money to fund a DARPA. I mean, yeah. I, seriously. So... Mind control, and he said you can make make them just with these pulses, make them do what they wouldn't normally want to do. Right. Right. Think think of like think of the you know assassins and Manchurian mm -hmm. candidate kind of thing. Something you wouldn't normally want to do. Then you combine that. Imagine combining that with the drug that he pointed to earlier. This is where my mind goes when I hear him talk about all these things. Put them together. So you got this where with some sort of control you can make someone do what they normally wouldn't do and then you got the drug that basically there's no there's no conscience right they don't they don't feel bad about doing some horrible thing right so uh, that's a scary recipe yes all right then he continues uh, here there's another project along these lines kind of brain this is a kind of brain to brain not brain machine interface um, this happened at the University of Washington Seattle a few years ago um, here's a guy uh, who's got uh, an, an EEG uh, device on his head and he's looking at a computer screen and he's thinking about moving his finger to hit a target and that information is then being sent over the internet to a, to a guy on the other side of campus uh, and he's wearing a, a magnetic stimulator on his on his head and at a certain point they were able to get that other fellow to know when to move his finger to hit the target uh, without knowing what he was doing so uh, you know pretty interesting stuff very but very laboratory based stuff Can we <laughs> so a guy with you know, so here you're talking about this guy's got some device and the other guy's got some device and the one guy in a different lab on the other side of, of the campus is controlling the, the one's uh, movements. Mm -hmm. Just, just uh, mind-boggling. Sorry, I don't need to, there we go. And again, you know, you're talking DARPA, Army, government. Right. I mean, so what, what, is, what is the application mm -hmm. for this? Again, right. it's not, you know, we're not trying to you know, make sure we help your grass grow, you know, or your roses smell better. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, somebody put in our chat room, sure they're going to use this uh, for the betterment of the people, right? right. Okay, so next one. Uh, there you go. Next one is about what they call opt-on, opt-in devices, another mind control uh, type experiment 
and study. This is the one I mentioned about the rat and the popcorn. The most exciting new technology in the neuroscience world is called optogenetics, which some of you may know about. Going Basically, the idea is to put opsin in the brain of a rodent. Uh, opsin is the is the um, is the is the, the protein that uh, works in our optic nerve. Uh, it, it's light sensitive, of course, uh, so they can not only um, follow where the electrical charges are going because generally, it, historically, we could only identify one neuron or two neurons that are turned on at the same time. Now it seems the neuroscientists can actually follow the neurons around and they can push them around using the lights. So here's an example of how you can make uh, with the, this is now in the hypothalamus of this mouse. This is, a, this is a mouse that only is hungry, in fact quite famished, when the light is on. Um, you can do lots of things to mice. So he's uh, only hungry when they make him hungry. The right, the right uh, node of cells, of neurons. Now notice when it's not on, the, the mouse is not hungry. Um, Watch this. It's buttered popcorn with salt. I would not need a light to, make, to, to eat that stuff, but no, this back on. And they turn it back on, and back. The, behavior, the feeding behavior starts again. Uh, you know, the relevance of this could be very interesting for therapy for people with eating disorders. You're not going to be able to put lights in their heads with wires, but uh, you might be able to find systems that can be another DARPA project. Um, so I want to uh, mention this particular uh, project at DARPA. So I mentioned the neural interface before. This is quite interesting. Right now, the 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 bioelectronic uh, array that's put in has 96 uh, microelectrodes in it. It's put in, into a brain. Um, what DARPA wants to do is make a neural interface that has hundreds of thousands of these little uh, bioelectronics in them, maybe a million. Now nobody knows what that you could do, right? If I had one in my head and you had one in your head, maybe we could talk to each other at long distances. Nobody knows. Um, maybe we could talk to each other at long distances, or maybe I can implant messages to you. You know, because we know it's not it's not James Bond. It's not some science fiction movie that you can hypnotize someone and then they do something. Now, hypnotists will always tell you, "Oh, well, we can't make we can't hypnotize somebody to do something that they wouldn't normally do, or they the conscious would be wrong." But you interject the drug that makes them no longer have a conscience. Yeah. And then, I mean, these are all the spy movie kind of stuff that you see. You go up to them and you say, you know, blue roller coaster. And then all of a sudden they're like freaked out. I want to I address what you just saw from a biochemical perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Why is it significant that they were able to make that mouse eat on command? Now, he said, oh, well, maybe we can help people that have eating disorders. No, 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 no. What you're doing is triggering a basal instinct, right? Do you know what some other basal instincts are? Mm. Survival, right? Right. You trigger someone to think that they must now, they must now defend themselves. They must now survive at all cost, and then you remove their conscience from that. Mm -hmm. You have someone that is the ultimate soldier and you can be I mean seriously you see this in who writes the born books that's uh, Robert Ludlow or I don't remember so anyway you've seen this in the born stories about the CIA agents who are uh, triggered by a word to go do something and then they have absolutely no memory after it this is the reality from a biochemical perspective. This is the reality of how, once again, going full circle, that science fiction becomes fact. I want to reiterate, this is, I'm not showing you someone's <coughs> conspiracy you know, website. Right. This, these are the scientists doing it and sharing with, uh, with the military and the government. And mm -hmm. in some cases, this is DARPA, conduct, the, the government themselves, the government's own scientists in DARPA who are conducting the studies and developing this technology. Right. It's not some conspiracy theory. These are the people we're talking about, you know, describing it. And, and, and you, the guy, we need to know about this. Like I said, that last video also, 144 people watched that. How yeah. is it that this, these videos in series, only 144 people watched? Them? Yeah, and the guy, the the uh, the doctor here talks about the man uh, in the very beginning of the thing. He talks about Manchurian Candidate, you know, 
show and concept, and um, and it's interesting. And we we look at things totally different now. Since we saw that the one conference that they did with a guy talking about science fiction scripts and novels mm -hmm. and movies and TV, that realizing this is a conversation. That movie is actually a conversation being had with with this. <laughs> so it was Robert Lullo with with the with the military with right uh, w between the military and these scientists. So really really mind-boggling. So the last one I grabbed uh, was about autonomous weapons. So basically, you know, killer robots. This is, and this is amazing. And, these are, and he mentioned systems like this, you know, are up and running all over and whatever, and that you've had defensive systems like one of the Vincennes, the Sea Whiz and whatever. And, but this is talking about uh, then he's referencing So when you're saying a uh, autonomous, what you're actually saying is artificial intelligence, AI, AI-driven weapons. Yeah, yeah, well, there's, there's not, nothing could go wrong with that. Well, so autonomous meaning like a person's not running and targeting it, so it could it could simply be, I guess it'd be a kind of a low form of AI, in, but not necessarily AI, right? Just a response, a programmed response to sensors. Mm -hmm. In this case, I think is what that is. Oh, well, but that then, would be but, even worse. I think. I mean, seriously, yeah, but then, what could go wrong if your sensors go wrong? No, but this is a whole point. Goodness gracious! Of what I'm saying is when you connect just what you're talking about. Now, take this, add AI, and what do you have? And he gets into this. I look at what he adds. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but then he connects it with another technology. By the way, the website that is, the YouTube channel that is running this particular video is Georgetown University Center for Security Studies. Okay, watch this. Oh, uh, for a number of years, I don't know how long, but at least a number of years, uh, there has been a uh, kind of robot soldier made by Samsung, the Tekrin. Uh, there are actually several of these gadgets robot around the soldier. world, but this is a Samsung one that is on the DMZ. Uh, and so this is one of the cases that has sparked an international debate about um, autonomous lethal weapons. And I was also lethal to myself, but I do get these as a, you know, I'm going to take those home. Uh, so, uh, you know, for a long time, as in the Vincennes, in the late 80s, there was that incident with the Unfortunately, with the with the Iranian passenger jet, um, so defensive uh, uh, weapons of sorts, rather autonomous, have been around for a while. Uh, but now we're in this new age. I, I just want to play for you uh, again, getting ready for Peter's talk. The advertisement that Samsung has for uh, for this device, and I wrote a piece on the Wall Street Journal Peter, about this. But other people have written much better things since then, much superseded. Uh, what I think is great about this is, I, on, my, on my front lawn in Cleveland Park, I have an ADT sign. But I think if I had one of these guys, <laughs> I, you know, I could take that sign down. Uh, now, um, then we don't know how much, this is obviously, this thing is loaded for bear. Uh, it is, it cannot respond now on its own. But and, uh, the engineers tell me that it could, it just put the switch. Uh, it would shoot whatever is moving around in the DMZ that shouldn't be there. Uh, and, you know, or maybe it should be there, but it would shoot them. Um, and there is some very interesting neuroscience that's going into this kind of project, and I'm going to leave you with this. We all know what it's like going when we see our project. friend a couple of blocks away, and we start waving at him, and then they get closer and closer, and we realize it's not them. Instead, there's a person walking toward us who's looking at us like we're a little crazy, right? And now we have this awkward decision to make. Do we keep walking? Do we turn left? You know, do we kind of look by them and avert our gaze? Well, this algorithm, which was published a couple of years ago, is 1% better at recognizing faces than the typical human brain. It means just what you're saying, mm -hmm. AI. So is you, if you caught what he's saying, uh, the facial recognition is being put into that program. He the, said into this project. Yeah. So you know it's an ongoing kind of project the thing they're the working on. The autonomous, lethal, uh, offensive weapon. And, and remember he said, so he says, it can't fire on its own now. So he's talking about that particular one that's deployed on the DMZ. They had to basically shut the auto whatever off because of big controversy. Shoot but, everybody. but he says, you know, the, the, <laughs> the engineer says it can't. Like, so in other words, just flip a switch and it's right back to that. So it's not that, oh, they're no longer developing weapons that, that can be autonomous and whatever. No, in fact, they're actually coupling it with AI and facial recognition. So. I mean, Terminator, you know, mm -hmm. RoboCop. Remember the RoboCop movie and you had mm -hmm. the big the, the big machine that RoboCop fought, a citizen, and I mean, that's, that's what it is. And again, 
science fiction that's becoming that thing again. science fact. That mood. So the RoboCop. See, it's, you it's will not never about, be able to watch a science fiction no, movie again had, after of uh, the same way after watching it had us today. Little, <laughs> little to do with entertaining the audience who is going to the movie. It's not what it was about. And again, that's from the sci- the scientific. And this was this guy wasn't just speaking. This is what I do. He was speaking on behalf of. They, there is a ton of science fiction writers that have been brought into. Uh, this mad scientist program mm-hmm. with the U.S. Army, and he said, you know that he that's that's how he described sci-fi movies and scripts right. and TV shows and and whatever. So it is a he said it's a conversation that we're having, you know, with you with this with our community, the scientific community, and you. So they're basically taking the science that they have mm-hmm. and science that they want to do, where they want to get to, and, and these ideas of what you could do. So they're, they're basically giving ideas and blueprints to the engineers and government scientists to say, hey guys, here's an, here's an idea we had. Why don't you try this? engineering what the science fiction writers are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, again, not conspiracy theory. This is what the writers... How the writers, the science fiction writers, were describing their own work. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed the show today. I mean, we like... Yeah, sleep well tonight. Sleep well tonight. We <laughs> Facial recognition. I love what the scientist said. He said, I mean, he sort of alluded to the problems with facial recognition because even our brains don't recognize people accurately, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're at that awkward moment with a drone... The awkward moment is you're dead because they shot you, yep. mistaking you for someone else. That's what's funny when, you know, then he said this is this uh, AI, this particular algorithm is found to be 1% uh, better than, than a human. Uh, and then, so then a lot of people are going to interpret that as, oh, so then we have nothing to worry about. No, he didn't say it's perfect, right? No, he, he said 1% <laughs> better after having described the fact that we don't, we don't, identify very accurately right right so one uh, percent better is fewer mistakes not no mistakes so we we listened to the one one time and it was part of the ai that they that they were trying to put into a helicopter right, right. into the helicopter's uh targeting system and the ai for this attack helicopter uh mistaked a toaster uh, or a piece of toast for uh, a a terrorist compound, right? So, what is the solution to all of this? And this is, I think, this is a perfect, the perfect example of what Samuel Adams said: "No people will tamely surrender their liberties, nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved." How? Do, what is the solution to all of this? First, is diffusing the knowledge. I mean, we have this thing that happens every single year. Only 144 people have watched these videos since 2016. It's time for us to take these videos to our congressmen and say, excuse me, number one, do you know what our tax dollars are being spent on? And number two, give me the article section clause that gives you authority to take money from me to do this. And we need an accountability because it's quite obvious that you DARPA doesn't care whether a mouse will eat popcorn or not. That the intent is to have hundreds of these things, which by the way, a mouse could not receive hundreds of those things. Their brain is not hooked up that hundreds way. Of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands, sorry. <laughs> hundreds of thousands. Of br- a mouse brain could not take hundreds of thousands. So this is something that's being used uh, developed to be used on us. So this is why we must become aware of this stuff. This is why we brought this to you today. Because number one, nobody's talking about Roger Stone the way they should be talking. And number two, nobody's talking about this. Well, people talk about this, but yeah. you you mean the average citizen. I mean the mainstream, the big, yeah. you know, right, where, where the dissemination of information comes, of right? Course. When I say nobody, I'm talking about the, the information disseminators. So. Yeah. So, uh, and, and the last thing I'll say in, in connection with this, uh, the other conversation that was being had was about the, you know, that they said, well, the greatest advancement is going to be this 5G, and uh, f- the particular reason they were saying about this is is this remote 
controlling of these devices where that now we can speak to each other there's from a distance. there's no there'll be no lag uh so wh whatever the person controlling over this side is practically instantaneous. instantaneous and the guy even talked about you know uh in space like if you were well he was particularly talking about mining you know asteroids and whatever and you could control some sort of robotic mining equipment and and it would allow you to do precision work because it would right. be practically instantaneous right well like i said we need to start talking about this we need to start making this part of the narrative we need to get this out of the immediate classification of tinfoil into a realm where people can, can consider this and like I said, this needs you need to directly confront your congressman with this information. And when you do, make sure you take a, some, a phone or an iPad or something and show them that this is coming from TRADOC. Mm -hmm. This is coming from the U.S. Army. This is coming from the universities. And so they can't look at you and say, oh, well, that's just tinfoil because it's right there. Well, thank you so much. Dale says, great show, gives us a thumbs up. Thank you so much. Remember, if you appreciate what you're doing, then drop a what tip. What you're doing. <laughs> what we're doing. Drop a tip in the jar and, and uh, help us keep doing what we're doing because this is really a full-time job for us and we really appreciate your support. Your support tells us that you appreciate what we're doing and it also helps you partner with us so that you are actually a participant in everything that we do. So God bless you guys, and we will, Lord willing, see you tomorrow.